Hey everybody, I'm Kristen. And I'm Janae. And thank you for joining KJV, the Bible for Basics podcast. Where we tell you all your favorite Bible stories like they're your favorite reality TV shows. So sit down, take a seat, grab some water or maybe some wine, and let's get into this episode. I'm so excited for another episode of KJV, the Bible for Basics podcast. And guess what, y'all? Today is the final episode of season one. I just want to say thank you guys for hanging in with us this whole crazy season as we just, I know, we're nuts. We just be saying whatever (laughs) comes out of our mouth. But it's been really fun. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that it's over. Me too. Me too. Of course, we're going to go out big because for the last episode of our love season, we're talking about none other than Ruth and Boaz. Yeah. Ruth and Boaz, the original fairy tale couple. Right, right, right. The original rom com, as Janae says. Right. So if you don't know who Ruth and Boaz is, they're crazy. Their story's beautiful. Learned a lot from this. So Janae, tell us who these folks are. Okay, so boom, we're in this fairy tale, right? And there's this guy, Eli. He um, links up with his high school sweetheart, Naomi. They, uh, she's like the thing back home. Everybody knows her. Everybody loves her. And she's bad. Like, she's literally. A, a whole baddie. Like. The whole package. Like, you know, like in the every teen movie, the pretty girl is always mean. It's not in this case. No, Na- Naomi's sweet and beautiful. Right. And just like the girl next door. Right, right. She's your quintessential. So, anyway, they get married. They do the whole thing. They have two boys. And they're just like living the 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 dream. They're living the American dream before the American dream is a dream. Like a thing. Yeah. yeah. The, the Middle Eastern <laughs> dream. <laughs> the American dream in the Middle East. Right, right, right. So they're living it. And so they're having a great time, having a good life. And then, boom, a famine hits their hometown. And there's literally no food. Like, it doesn't necessarily like say like what caused the famine. But the point is... Ain't no food getting made, like, ain't no crops being cropped, ain't no harvest being harvested. And so, Eli is like, listen, I don't want my family to starve, so let's move. And I know... I know at least half y'all listeners like know what this is. You know when daddy got that brand new job and right. y'all had to move across the whole entire country. Like that's what that was. They had to just up and leave everything that they know so they don't die so they can like make a living. That's basically the plot of every Bring It On movie. Everyone. <laughs> every single one. The second Bring It On movie with Solange. That's and, exactly And like every it. Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. Like just the new kid because their parents had to get transferred from wherever. Right, right, right. We just have to do downsize and it'll be okay yeah. like and that they downsize home. to a five-bedroom home i'm so confused every time right and the mom still is allowed to stay at home right <laughs> what was your life like before don't understand my my childhood is now really being questioned <laughs> <laughs> now i'm thinking about it okay so anyway they move and they move to moab which is like moving to san francisco so think of it this way it's like if you move from the bible belt like one of them good old southern you know redneck towns Mm. where everything is super religious everybody know everybody to like boom la san francisco yes these big free cities where it's just like we do whatever we want however we want to do it exactly so yeah total culture shock yeah (laughs) completely culture shocked 
So they try, so they like establish roots, they get comfortable, and the sons, both sons, end up marrying women from Moab, which is like unheard of because they're Israelites. And literally, it's it's low-key, uh, high-key, a law that they shouldn't be marrying outside of their tribe. They do it anyway. They meet these women. They get married. They're having a great time. So then, boom, Elimelech dies. Eli is gone. So it's just Naomi, the boys, and their wives. Soon after that, bloop, bloop, one by one. Bloop. <laughs> one by one, the sons die too. Like, literally back to back. This poor family. Like, just trauma after trauma. Mm-hmm. So now you have these three women. Naomi was sad, y'all. Yeah. She was so miserable. Poor little Nene. She, her husband died. Yeah, Both and her, her kids died. died. She, was, she was so grieved and, like, depressed. And she was, like, hopeless, man. Right, and then by this time, like, she's old, so it's not like she could, like, remarry and have more kids or anything like that, and at this point, ain't nobody was looking for a cougar. Yeah, so they weren't checking for her, okay? At all. Even though she was cute, they was like, nah, we good, because but, everybody wants legacy, and she couldn't produce no children. Like, like back then, you know... Like nowadays, there's there's a little hope for you. Like if <laughs> if you are old and you lost everything that you ever loved, you there's a hope for love again. But back then, if you were past childbearing age, you did. Like right. no man wants you if if there's no man there to take care of you, right. you're screwed. So which is crazy because in my mind, Naomi's only like thirty five. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but she not. Yeah, she not. She's like barely forty. Like I'm just so old. Oh. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> so anyway so you have these three women who are none of them are related by blood and they're kind of just looking at each other like what are we gonna do so at first they try to stay there and try to keep everything going and they realize it's not working so naomi is like listen i heard through the grapevine that my my hometown is cool like the famine is over why don't we go back there so the two women, uh, the two the two daughter-in-laws, excuse me, one is Ruth and one is Orpah. Not Oprah, but Orpah. Orpah. Yeah. I heard a rumor that that's where Oprah gets, got her name from, though, huh. for, real, for real. I'm going to Google that. Yeah. I think, I think that's right, but don't quote me. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> either way, don't come for me. But <laughs> anyway, so Orpah is like, listen, that sounds nice, but I'm still a young tenderoni. And... <laughs> She said tenderoni, y'all. Tenderoni and the fellas is looking. Like, the homies is looking for a wife. Like, I'm sad my husband died, but also... I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I need to be taken care of. I'm out. So, Orpah goes back to her family to go find a new man. Good luck to Shorty, because we never hear from her. Right. Ever again. There she is. (laughs) She's there, then she's not. She's gone. Right. So, Ruth is like, yo, I have a bomb relationship with my mother-in-law, which is, like, crazy rare. I know nowadays everybody cannot stand their mother-in-law. But for whatever reason, Ruth and Naomi, that is not the case. They was thick. Right. Okay. And Ruth is like, yo, wherever you go, I'ma go. Period. Like, where, like, loyalty is on 100. Like, for real. So, Naomi is like, okay. At first, she tried to convince her to stay. And then, and then Ruth is like, bro, I'm not leaving. Like, if you staying here, I'm staying. But if you go, I'm going. So her and Naomi travel back to, to Naomi's hometown, which is Bethlehem. Back to the Bible Belt. Right. They <laughs> go back to the Bible Belt. They leave San Francisco because it was Pride Week and they were just uh, over it. 
<laughs> so they go back and um they get to Bethlehem and everybody is like, hey yo, is that is that Naomi? That's Naomi. Is that Naomi? Cause remember y'all, they knew new Naomi. Okay? Right. Surprise, she just happened to come back on the same weekend as her high school reunion. So everybody was there. And they were like, yeah, Naomi, she 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 looked different. But homegirl was depressed. But anyway, we'll get back to that. She was so depressed, she, like, did changed her name to yeah. let everybody know that she was depressed and hopeless. Yeah, she was like, I'm not Naomi. First of all, that's hella dramatic. It hella is dramatic. dramatic. Do not call me Naomi. I am now Mara. Yeah, it's she me. literally did that. However... I'm just as dramatic. Correct. I also I just understand. haven't legally changed my name for my drama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she didn't either. She just told people to call me that. They were like, all right, all right, Naomi. <laughs> You're right. They were like, okay, okay. Naomi. Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> but again, y'all, she was sad. She was her, sad. She lost her whole family. Her whole family. So she comes back and she finds a couple of her relatives to stay with, her and Ruth. And so she's introducing Ruth around, blah, 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 blah. And so Naomi is like, yo, I'm 40. I'm old. I can't work anymore. So you gonna have to do something about this. Ruth. She said 40 and all. She's stuck on 40, y'all. It's like 40. Naomi's they didn't live 40. that long. They that only is, lived like to 50. So is, yeah, I mean, they weren't, they weren't old. <laughs> right. So anyway, so Ruth is like, okay, cool. I'm going to go work and like harvest these plants or harvest these plants, harvest, harvest crops at this farm, basically. And Naomi's like, yo, it's cool. Just go ahead. I got this distant cousin, Boaz, the distant relative through my husband that passed. Go ahead and just, just talk to them, get in good, like get you a job, basically. Like just go, go walk up there and get you a job. So Ruth does it. She ends up working there for the day. And um, when she's working, uh, Boaz pulls up. Skirt, skirt. Now, listen, let's talk about Boaz real quick. Let's talk about him. Y'all, Boaz is Michael B. Jordan <laughs> plus Jay with Jay-Z's money with um, with uh, Killer Mike's like wokeness. I'm plus <laughs> He's all the things, right. y'all. He's all the things. Plus Jeff Bezos's like inventive nature, like he all everything. He is in like life. Bethlehem's most eligible bachelor, right? And so everybody is like, "Yo, I'm trying to give you a son for real," because like, <laughs> he don't have no kids, and they know he's gonna die eventually, and he doesn't have an heir to like inherit all these different businesses he got going on. And they're like, "Yo, like just let me give you a son for real." And Boaz ain't rocking. He's just like, nah, he's chilling. Nah, I'm he, cool. He's paying attention to his fields, making his money. Right. He's chilling. Right. And then on top of that, like, he's nice as well. Like, he's just so nice. Everybody knows him. Everybody likes working for him. So, anyway, he pulls up to the uh, farm, to the field. He sees Ruth. He Like, he's checking over everything, looking through his numbers, talking to his guy, talking to his management team, all of that, right? And then he notices, he's like, yo, um, there's somebody here that didn't work here before. Who is that? And so the, the manager, the overseer is like, yeah, like, that's Ruth. She's kin to Naomi. Like, we'll let her, you know, sit here for a little bit. We're letting her, you know, come behind and get all the scraps, basically. And so Boaz goes and tells all the women that are working and all the men that are working in the field, like, ayo, like, 
throw shorty a bone down. Yes, like legit. Like purposely drop a little something so she can make sure she has enough. Mm-hmm. So they do it, and and Ruth ends up going home with like baskets, like a, a like a food, and like Naomi is like, yo, like you did good, and Ruth is like, yeah, you know, I had a great had a great first day at work, and they think everything is Gucci. Naomi low key, I feel like Naomi low key knew like. Oh, she absolutely knew. She low-key knew, like, okay, Boaz is flirting or something happened. Somebody is trying to make sure that she, she got She absolutely enough. knew. Yeah, so she might not have known as Boaz, but she knew um, Ruth was getting special treatment. She just didn't know how yet. So anyway, so Ruth keeps doing that for a little bit. And um, finally, Naomi is like, hey, um, so... When you are keep you- coming home yeah. with all this food from Boaz Field. Right, from Boaz Field. Who is trying to holler at you? And why are you not looking for a husband, boo? <laughs> and uh, Naomi's like, I mean, I ain't really thought about it. You know, I've seen a couple shorties, but, you know, I'm trying to make sure that you're taken care of. And Naomi's like, yo, girl, bump me. Get you a man. That way you don't have to do this forever. Right. And then she literally is like, have you considered Boaz? Like, have you considered? Right. So Naomi, because she is distantly related to Boaz through her deceased husband, she's like, listen, I'm going to tell you what to do right now. Okay, here's what you do. Um, Tonight, they're working an overnight shift for this special whatever. So after he eats, after he drinks, he's going to go to sleep. What you do is you sneak up in his room, you lay at his feet, uncover it, and then when he wakes up, he'll see you and he'll want you. So Ruth is like, I don't really know if I want to. Uh, I don't know if I really want a sneaky link or anything like that. <laughs> and Naomi is like, nah, bro. Go cover that man's feet. Yeah, go go, go do it. So Ruth is like, all right, I trust you. I'm going to do it. So she does it. And Boaz wakes up and literally is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> why, why are you here? And Naomi uh, basically, uh, I'm Ruth. not Naomi, Ruth tells him and, and basically is like, so what's up? What's good? And Boaz was like, all right. I'm going to marry you. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Boaz was like, I like the boldness. You looking like something. You, you're available and open. He was like, listen, there's only one barrier in between. Um, I got to talk to somebody who is closer, closer uh, related to you than I am and as long as he says um nah he's good I'm I'm gonna marry you so long story short he goes to the guy to his other cousin who <laughs> legally has the right to marry Ruth first and is like hey uh do you want to marry her and I love this guy's reaction this guy literally literally y'all it says this in the bible his reaction is nah my wife will kill me yeah <laughs> If I take another wife, my wife will kill me. <laughs> yes, so he forfeits the right to land. Learn this lesson, dudes. He forfeits the the right to land and money because he was like, uh-uh, my wife's not having it if right. I have two girls. Right. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> Basically. And so, yeah, so they get married. And and the reason why this is, like, so fairy tale is literally, like, happily ever after, Boaz and Ruth actually end up fathering David, like King David. So there they have a son. Their son is Obed. Obed is King David's grandfather, which means that Jesus came from the union of uh, Ruth, Ruth and Boaz. Boaz. Absolute Crazy. fairy tale. Yeah, fairy tale. Who, you know, saves the world. He's everybody's big brother and best so friend. So it's like the greatest love story all of all time, right? Yeah. However, the funny thing is, 
as I was like reading it this time around, Janae, and like studying it, I realized that this story was way less about love than I ever thought before. Yeah. It's still such a like beautiful romance on the surface. But when I started digging into it, I realized like, wait, there's way more than fairy tale romance here. Um, and one of the most interesting things that I learned reading this is that like the whole book of Ruth is a political statement. Oh, yeah. So if you look at Judges, which comes right before Ruth, they both have the same author, which was Samuel. And Judges ends with this, like, crazy, crazy story. Oh, my God. I talk about this story all the time. (laughs) Y'all go read, like, the last couple chapters of Judges and then sit there and be really confused and, like, disturbed and triggered because I certainly was. But essentially, there's this awful story where um, the Benjamites are, like, cursed and damned because by the rest of the Israelites because they, like, rape and murder a concubine. And, yeah, isn't it crazy? And so it was a whole big thing, and the... All of Israel Israel was like, forget the Benjamites. Like, they did this evil thing, whatever, we hate them. But then they forbid everybody from marrying the Benjamite wives because they did this evil thing, but then realized they needed the Benjamite women. And so they then, in turn, since they've made this law to not be able to marry them, go steal and, like, rape and force these Benjamite women to marry them. This awful thing is that how Judges ends. And then you have the story of Ruth and Boaz, which is a beautiful story. And literally, literally, as you explained, the legacy um, which birthed Jesus, which birthed the line of David. Well, Saul, the king that came before David, that was thrown off the throne and like spent his entire life like chasing David and in misery he was a Benjamite so here you have Samuel writing this story to show like the contrast in the line of Judah which is where David and Jesus and Obed and Ruth and and Boaz are from and the line of the Benjamites and what really stood out to me is the like the generational implications of that right he's trying to show them like Here's this trash Benjamites. They are like murderers and thugs and they are never going to be anybody in their life. And then you have the line of Judah who is like rich and nice. They're rich, pretty nice, all of the things. And it really just like showed me that how we treat people, how we honor women um, has generational implications, um, not just for like relationships, but our livelihood, Uh, how we treat those around us, how we treat the women in our lives, all of those things um, impact like our future as it did with the Benjamites and the line of Saul. So that was something that like I never knew before and it really stood out to me and made me look at this story a little different. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up though because you're absolutely right. The Benjamites, like that's like the what not to do when you marry outside of when you marry outside of like where you're supposed to be and then you have like Ruth and, and Boaz who Ruth by birth is a Moabite woman. Right, right. So those same rules of the Benjamites is the same rule with the Moabites like don't marry these hoes. Yes. And, <laughs> like Boaz Boaz is like so in his purpose and so with God like that when he married somebody she became righteous 
Whereas you have the opposite with the, the Benjamites, Benjamites and yeah. they just got worse with time. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really, really, really good point. All right. So let's backtrack here just a little bit, because one of the things that like really jumped out to me initially was really um, at the very beginning, right after all three gentlemen die in verse six in chapter one. Um, it talks. It says that Naomi heard a rumor about God providing for the children of Israel um, back home where she was from. And that was her sole deciding factor in going back home. Up until that point, she didn't really have, it, well, it implies that up until that point, she really didn't have any plans to go back. And I thought that that was so good because it's like, who spread the rumor? Mm. And like, what did God do? It never says exactly what God did. It just says like he was doing so many good things that it was spreading like so far to everybody else. And it just made me think of like me as a Christian, how powerful is my testimony? Like who will that move for them to come home? Yeah, that's really good. And like just about the like the Bible talks about it in other places as well, just about sharing your testimony, how powerful it is. And I just thought that that verse in particular was a really good depiction of like this is what happens all because people were talking. Yeah, that's like, people really are going to talk anyway, but like they talked about God so much and so well that like she was moved to go back home like regardless of the embarrassment and whatever Ruth heard right. about it inspired because it mentions in the scripture too that like you I want to be with you and your God and your people and mm-hmm. or whatever so whatever Ruth heard about it like it's one thing for Naomi to be like well let me just go back home to my God and my people in in the land that is you know of my God but for Ruth to be like no I'm gonna go with you and she ain't know these people she ain't know them <laughs> folks she left her family or whatever that means that the testimony had to be that powerful that it inspired someone who had never knew God mm-hmm. 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 yeah I, I just thought that that was so powerful it really like heart checked me to be like nah you need to be more vocal about your testimony sis <laughs> that's good you mentioned something else to me Janae and I had a sim- similar revelation and uh-huh. I'll compare it so like what you got, but you mentioned to me that more than romance, this story was the story of Jesus. What did you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. As I went back and read it, especially recently, I realized that um, if you want to look at this story literally, which you should, I feel like this is one of those stories where it literally happened this way. But you could also look at it, look at it as a metaphor for God's love for us. Like if you say the whole story, but you make jesus boaz and make yourself or humans in general ruth it's really just the story of like the greatest love story of all time Mm -hmm. because it just shows like grace and favor and just like a decision to love someone despite um what they can do for you and whether or not they love you back or not yeah that's like him showing so much favor to ruth and going out of his way literally going out of his way to make sure that she had more than enough is that not the story of jesus dying on the cross Mm -hmm. and providing for us that's so good like i just like i went back and like reread it and like just changed the names to be and it's accurate yeah Yeah. god and putting myself in the place of laying at his feet come on laying at his feet that's all i do is lay at his feet like please that's so good so let's talk about that actually because like in modern times laying at someone's feet just sounds weird weird. and it's probably stinky and like (laughs) because it says she covered his feet Mm -hmm. like so like what'd you do sis did you you put you put his feet under your garment like that's so weird just like laying on top of this man's (laughs) yes it's so weird That's so weird. Are you are you gonna go home and lay on Chris's feet? Um, never in a million years. I don't even like looking at his feet. I'm weak. That's so weird. Um, 
what we're I'm gonna come back to that again because there's a point about relationships that I want to add but to add to like what you were saying I studied Ruth out using um the it's literally just called the bible study by Zach Wendell last year um and he points out basically the same thing that this is a foreshadow of like redemption because if you look at it he's um the way he breaks it down in the bible study is that boaz represents god like the lord of harvest that naomi represents israel herself god's people and then Ruth represents the Gentile bride, which is literally what what Jesus came to the cross for. Like he yeah. died for not just the Israelites, but for all people, for people who are not of that genealogy to be accepted into the kingdom of God. And so here's this story of redemption um, foreshadowing Jesus coming to the cross to accept all of people into the kingdom of God and giving everybody that that love and grace. So so. Not only is Naomi covered because she's under Israelite law, now Ruth is protected too, which I think is really, really cool um, that I read that and then you got that same revelation. Um, But we're not going to leave you guys hanging because this is a love series. So even though we've both learned that this is not about romance... I have another point about that before we move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because I, I was just looking at my notes here. And another, like, if you're really trying to figure out if this is, like, like how this fits in with the story of Jesus and ourselves, us being the Gentiles. Um, uh, Boaz, Boaz left the 99 for the one. Mm, yeah. Like, he had all those servants. And like I said before, like, he knew all them. He knew their names. He knew who belonged. He knew who worked where. He knew their schedules. He literally left the 99 for the one and was yeah, like, so listen, good. I'm going to give you favor because you are that's disadvantaged. Good. So if we want to talk about social justice as well and how mm, God feels about it, mm, there we go. He's That right he there said, is a word. We're going to come back to Ruth and Boaz and yeah. use it as a social justice Absolutely, because Boaz literally said, listen, I know that y'all don't have anything either, but like, you know what I mean? Like y'all are working for it, but y'all are far, far, uh, y'all are further ahead in life than Ruth is. So let me catch her up by giving her favor. That's good. Let me catch her up. And literally that's what God did. And like, this is someone who was seen as disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. She didn't earn it. She didn't even deserve it. it if you want to look at it, it literally is like a, the play out of the Good Samaritan story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really About good. him seeing someone who is in need and like taking pity on them and going, no, I'm going to do the right thing. Because he even does the same thing that the Good Samaritan does and goes, hey, you know, I'm going to do this for you and this for you. And then when you come back, I'm going to do this, 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 and this for you. Yeah. And then when you come back, like he gave her so much favor and gave her promise for like the future. He didn't just feed her, feed her directly now because he could have just said, hey here's food that we made and leave and never come back nah he's like when you come back yeah here's how i'm gonna help you provide for yourself now that's so good that's so good definitely definitely a story about the love of jesus that's what it is i love that about the old testament though because so many stories if you read it you're like oh that's jesus right so like these stories really happen but to me that's just like like that's who our God is. He's constantly reminding us of Jesus even before Jesus was here. Like he's constantly showing us the love of Jesus. So that's really cool. But again, this is a love series. So we're not going to leave y'all hanging. We're going to, we're going to, you know, tie it back together. Yes. We had this revelation that it wasn't about romance the way that y'all thought it was. We thought it was whatever, 
But it does not mean that there's not some valuable relationship information in here. So if we're tying this story back to love and romance, Janae, what is something that you got out of the relationship between Ruth and Boaz? Uh, Don't shoot your shot. All right, back to the feet. Back to the feet. Okay. Okay, so I know they're probably like, they don't know what they're talking about. She, like, we've made it clear that she went up to him. Right. She covered his feet. Right. Like, is that not shooting your shot, Janae? No. Okay, so break it down for these poor folks because they're they're mad at us right now. They're confused. Break it down. So, kind of like we mentioned earlier, shooting your shot would be like, hey, I like you, I want you, I want you to be mine Mm. here, now, forever. Ruth didn't do that. She never, she only made herself open and available for him. Like, she just made it known that, like, the door is open if you want it, and she allowed him to walk through the door or not, because those same situation he could have easily been like girl why is you over my feet like get out and don't come back yes and if she was trying to shoot her shot for real she could have been like no i want you i want she didn't and one point that i i love and this is more specifically for us church girls okay because we love to pretend that our husband's gonna like we're gonna go to bed every day We're going to go to work every day. We're not going to do anything else. And then we're going to open our front door one day and hubby's going to be standing there on our doorstep. Bull. I call bull because it just showed me in my Bible that Ruth made herself available for interaction. Yeah. That's what she did. She did not shoot her shot. She did not pursue him. She made herself available for interaction. Interaction that wouldn't have occurred had she not let him know, hey, I'm available to interact with. Mm-hmm. So y'all girls who think that husband's <laughs> just going to be standing on your front door one day and that you get to avoid conversations and right. dates and all of those things, you're tripping. Right. You're going to be single till you die. And I'll prove it to you guys further. Like, for real, for real, we have to remember, Ruth, let's assume she was attractive. She was young, obviously childbearing years. Yeah. She had been married before, so she was eligible to get married. She, Boaz wasn't the only single guy she was around. Mm-hmm. And so she made And so it never said that, like, her goal when going there was to ma- meet a man and go. No, her goal was to, like take care of her Mm mother-in-law her goal was to provide for her family which at that time was just her mother-in-law and so like she made it herself open and available when she got direction from her her leadership which was her mother-in-law and from there she was just open to any man Mm -hmm. it wasn't until her mother-in-law was like no you you might want to try boaz that she was like okay well that sounds like a good thing she didn't close her off she wasn't beelining for boaz like Mm -hmm. everybody says she didn't oh i only have eyes for him he's literally just working in the field she didn't fantasize about what their life would be like no she's like i'm gonna stay faithful i'm gonna like work in this field and i know i want to get married again and so when he comes or when the opportunity is presented then I'll you know make myself available so basically what I hear between the two things that we've said Mm -hmm. is that the women normally live in one extreme or the other they normally live in the thirst bucket I'm I'm fast (laughs) I'm gonna throw myself at you or that I'm gonna close myself off because it's just gonna happen right when in reality love is in the in-between it's the interacting with with people meeting new people through friends having conversations with someone you've never talked to before um 
and in those making yourself available Absolutely. to meet people is when you find love, not when you're throwing yourself out like a thirst bucket or right. closing yourself off to new people. It's yeah. the love is in in the in between. Because even Boaz goes up to the overseer and says like, "Yo, who is this girl?" And the overseer is like, "Oh yeah, that's Ruth. That's uh, the one that came from Naomi." Boaz doesn't go, "Who?" So yeah. he knew who she was. Yes, he knew. He she already had heard about her, which means everybody else that had heard right about there. her. That point right there. So, so that's something that I'm glad that you pointed out because a lot of times we find ourselves in this situation where we want to like throw ourselves or shoot our shot with somebody who's never noticed us. Right. Like, if you go back and read. Naomi doesn't point out like maybe you should like make yourself available to to Boaz by covering his feet until after Ruth started coming home with all these grains. Uh-huh. Na- Naomi put two and two together. Naomi was like, "Hey yo, I know the laws of gleaning. I know mm-hmm. that you weren't coming home with with stuff like this before. Now you're coming home with all these bushels." Naomi was a smart woman who was like, "Hey yo, this is his field. She's coming home with all these extra. This might mean something. So it either means she's stealing or he gave it to or her. Or he, yeah, or he set it up. So it wasn't just this random, hey, just go cover his feet. Right. Like there was evidence that making herself available could possibly be the right decision right. versus her just going to some random dude and me. I'm like, hey, marry me. Right. Let's get it all. <laughs> Let's have kids. No, that's not how it happened. Like, yeah. like Janae said, he knew her. He knew exactly who she was before yeah. she she ever like put herself out there like that. And we also have to remember that like Ruth is not from here, so she doesn't know the culture at all. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't have known like, that like what it meant. Right. Yeah. She wouldn't have known like oh these looks and all this stuff. Like Naomi was the only one who did. That's why Ruth yeah. was just like okay, look what I did, yeah. and probably was like patting herself on the back. Naomi was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it came from that man. Period. <laughs> Another really, really important thing that I want to point out is that Ruth was working. Oh, no. So you're telling me women can't just be at home? No. Are they not supposed to be just housewives? No, they're, you know. Now, obviously, she's still in submission to Boaz. He was like, you know, he was, yeah, he was working in, like, quite really, she dating her boss. Um, she was, but she. My point being by saying that is that like this luxury lifestyle and that's that's another thing that we like hear with the Ruth Boaz story is that he's just this rich guy who swoops in. Now she was working. She was working hard to take care of herself before he he like stepped in to make sure that they were like taking care of him and married. But Ruth wasn't just some like. Oh, I'm gonna stay at home and sip, sip my wine, and Boaz is gonna take care of me. No, she was working and was willing to rem- like continue to do so if that's what needed to be done. Right. So, just wanted to throw that out there. But the most important thing that I've got from this story, and Janae, give me your input. Okay. Is that their union was not was less about love and more about purpose. Yeah. I, when reading this story, if we look at the, um, the idea that, you know, Boaz can represent like God and, and Ruth, the Gentile bride, when they got married, it wasn't just beneficial for Ruth. It was beneficial for Naomi and everybody connected to them. And so what I got from it is when you're looking for your quote, Boaz, the question should not be, 
is Boaz going to swoop in? Is Boaz going to save me? Is this man a Boaz? The question should be is if we gather together, if we join together, if we come together in union, how is our relationship going to bring redemption and how is it going to farther the kingdom? Yeah, God loves marriages and he loves covenant. But he loves those things because they produce fruit. And mm. we have to remember that. He doesn't just love marriages because they're fun to go to and he likes to turn water into wine. They produce something. And their union produced, like I said, Obed. And I think it also causes, like, like to your point, Kristen, like, their union was about purpose because he could handle her baggage. Mm-hmm. Her baggage was her mother-in-law. Mm. because she said i'm not leaving this woman that's good and he knew that like he could tell by her faithfulness like she's not gonna leave naomi for any reason because naomi cannot fend for herself she's old she can't work she can't no one's gonna marry her she doesn't have any family anymore she doesn't have a husband anymore so no one's gonna take care of her and so ruth knew that and ruth was like nah i got her i don't care what happens i got her and so even like the the guy that boaz talked to first like the the relative that um boaz talked to first he was all game for it until he found out he had to take Naomi. Yeah, he didn't want to take and he was the like, baggage. Nah, nah, I'm good. Boaz saw That's her so baggage good. and was like, nope, I'm taking her. I can handle and everything. It. I can handle it. So I think that like more than anything from the story of Ruth and Boaz, what I want our listeners to take away, what I want you guys to take away is that like you should reapproach your intentions in why you're dating, why you want to get married. If you're asking the questions of like, how is he going to benefit me or how is she going to benefit me versus how are we going to benefit God? Yeah. Then you're going to fail at relationships anyway. Absolutely. And then the last point, and then I'm done. I swear to you, this is my last little revelation. I didn't expect us to go on this long about Ruth and Boaz. I, I could talk about it all day because <laughs> it's so good. But like them marrying also expanded Boaz's reach. He got a whole, he got more land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so So that good. he can produce more. Talk about it. Talk about it. And so it. he wasn't just, she wasn't just, he wasn't just marrying some girl because she looked pretty. Yeah, that's great. The roof was attractive, but like he understood like, now I also have more land. I also have this woman who produced an heir for me, which I don't have. Because if he didn't marry Ruth, then he would have died. And like the land that he already had and the, the business he already had going would have died with him. Mm-hmm. And so now he, so has some, he has someone to carry that on and he, he gets bigger. So it shows you how when something is God ordained, mm. that God will double it. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> One last little nugget. I sat in a sermon years ago, and I felt personally attacked when the, the preacher said, y'all ladies out here waiting for your Boaz. Boaz is dead, or he might have buck, buck teeth. So what I want y'all to know is that while you're waiting for your Prince Charming to swoop in and save you, that you've been asking the wrong questions about Boaz this entire time. Yep, because does Boaz want your ass? That's what I need to know. (laughs) Does he want your ass? That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, thank you again for listening. Yes, thank you. We are delighted that you have stopped. And please make sure that you subscribe. Share this with somebody who may be a Gentile. And yeah, rate us too while you're at it. Absolutely. And we'll see y'all when we're back for season two. Bye. Out. You've been listening to a Believer Entertainment production.